when you give students word lists, it's amazing how it expands their ability to articulate, and in a way, it expands their ability to think. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Hi everyone, this week we're going to switch it up a bit and play for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Because the webinar itself is over an hour, we're splitting it into two parts, but we'll post both of them this week. And we'll post any links or websites mentioned in this recording at IEW.com slash podcast. Enjoy! So, welcome! Glad to have you all here for our last of the nine units over the course of the school year. I am Andrew Pudua, Director of Institute of Excellence in Writing, hailing from Tulsa, Oklahoma, joined by my competent right hands, Julie Walker, and perhaps a technical minion as well. Hopefully all's good. This is going to be unit nine, and just for a little point of refresh. As you know, what we do is we go through all nine units over the course of the school year, approximately one per month with a little bonus uh, in the middle of Christmas when it's hard to get a whole month of good time in. And we're going to talk about the critique model as opposed to book reports. What is the model? Looking at the critique thesaurus, looking at a variation on the critique model, that is in the new TWSS, the nonfiction critique, delving a little bit into response to literature, which I have had my first experience with this year in my own teaching. And of course, time for questions, as always, any announcements and other ways we can help you. This is a time-honored Alvin and Hobbes. Hobbes, are you reading the book I gave you? Yes, it's very good. Do you like it? Sure, I think it is. Wait a minute, would you mind writing it in two pages for me by tomorrow morning? <laughs> the idea of, of a book report, in some ways, logical that we put Unit 9 last. In some ways, it it's something that most of us, I don't know all of us, but certainly I'm in the category of most, have kind of a negative connotation with the term book report. Why? Well, for one reason is as soon as you know a child is old enough to read a book suddenly boom they have to write a report about it which causes them one effect which is to not want to write another book but another thing is if you think about our nine units as a funnel if you think about the unit one and two you have a short little article you take keywords from each sentence you put those in an outline and then you reproduce i would say generally approximately often about the same amount of content, maybe a little bit less for summary, maybe a little bit more 
if you want to elaborate. But for the most part, you've got one, two, three paragraphs worth of information, goes into the outline, and you come out with one, two, or three paragraphs of information. As we move into the unit three, the stories can be longer. Now you may have two pages. You still want three paragraphs. Unit four, depending on the age and aptitude of the students, you've got more information and you want to summarize by choosing some of it, but not all of it. Five is pictures, so that's kind of in the air. Unit six would be having too many sources with too much information. So now the funnel gets a little bit wider. There's more to have to sort through and figure out of all that, what do you want? Unit 7 could be now or abroad, depending on the scope of your imagination. Unit 8 tends to be more because now we're really moving into open research. Kids are going to go and get any sort or any number of books, articles, websites, sources of information, and the funnel is wider. But when you think about a book, well, I mean, what's the shortest book? 80, 100 pages? What's the longest book? 3, 350? taking a couple hundred pages and saying, okay, we're going to take some of that and tell it in a page or two. That really is probably one of the hardest writing tasks there is, is to do a good book summary or to know what to write about that book, to know what to put in. So we in our system, Dr. Webster changed it from book report to critique and critique sounds a little bit more romantic because a critique sounds like you get to criticize something, right? So you get to give your analysis, your evaluation. And so what we've done then is, is change the idea. One dictionary of a critique would be a detailed analysis and assessment of something, especially literary, philosophical, political theory. That sounds a little high and lofty for your average grade six student, but to evaluate in a detailed or analytical way. So what we're doing is we're moving gradually from a book report where you basically report what happened in the book to a critique that is giving an evaluation, meaning a judgment. Evaluate means judgment to, to take the value from. So it is good to start Unit 9 with some familiar stories. I always recommend that you start with a short story, not a, a long book. That way the funnel isn't so large. It could even be one of the stories that you did use in Unit 3 for a basic summary because the students would already be familiar with that. They've written it up. And so the new part, the added Aspects of the critique would just be the slightly different tone, maybe not giving away the ending entirely, but the conclusion and introduction. So you want to review the story sequence chart as that is the body of the critique, and then show how the conclusion and the introduction are added on. Now, the conclusion would tell what uh, you, the reader, the critiquer, the critic, what you liked or disliked about that story, that article, that you know, song, that book, that whatever you're critiquing. Uh, what did you like or dislike and why? The why is the analytical part. That's what's oftentimes hard for kids. That's the one 
that that's the part they're likely to need the most help with well i liked it because it was interesting well why was it interesting because the characters did fun stuff okay what kind of fun things did they do so as a as a teacher and a coach a tutor a parent you're going to probably have to help with the invention part there on the conclusion and then one of our goals is to help the students elevate the style of their writing from personal and informal to a little more formal. So we put in the rule not using the word I. So rather than I think, I feel, in my opinion, you just help them say what do they think, what do they feel, what is their opinion, without saying I as the qualifier. That generally makes writing stronger when you say what you think as if it were a fact about something. And then we would talk about the introduction, and that includes the type of story, the title, of course. You can also include some biographical and historical information about the author or the setting, the time and place where the book is set, and what's the connection with, with the author there. My students here in Tulsa recently wrote a critique of Treasure Island, and so part of what they put in was the relationship between the author Robert Louis Stevenson and his love of the sea and ships and his familiarity with nautical terminology, his love of adventure, his uh, working with uh, his uh, stepson on the map of Treasure Island that really was the seed for the whole story. So anything you can help students find out about the author and their relationship with the uh, circumstances of the book, you know, that's good to put in the critique. It helps to beef it up a little bit. Uh, otherwise, you could say, you know, it is an adventure story called Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. You got one sentence. Well, where's the rest of your introduction, right? So think about ways you can, you can do that. Very possibly, it's good to include publishing information somewhat like you would in a work cited but in a little more informal or i guess a, a more prose style and if there are any illustrations you can comment on those the illustrator what different aspects of the book do you observe there and so what we generally recommend unit eight i, I think i went over this last month with pretty good clarity that it's always better to write the body paragraphs first, then the conclusion, and lastly, the introduction. That helps the student in many ways. It kind of prevents the writer's block, like, well, how do I start? You don't have to start, just jump into the first topic paragraph, just jump into the characters and setting of the story. How do I know how to introduce it? Well, write the thing and then you'll know better what you're introducing. So that idea that we have found very effective in Unit 8 is also, I think, something to be continued as possible in Unit 9. So write the body paragraphs first and then the conclusion and introduction to frame it. The basic fiction critique that you would see in the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style course, which I'm assuming uh, most all of you have completed or, or at least are on your way to completing will work really with any type of story as long as it has the key elements which would be characters and setting a problem or conflict 
some kind of resolution and possibly some type of outcome with a theme or message. So short stories, fables, myths, fairy tales, a fiction novel of really any length. Certainly, the longer the novel, the harder it kind of is to get into the small three-paragraph summary. Although there are some novels with a lot of content and relatively simple plots. I was having a conversation recently with someone about Moby Dick saying, yeah, it's really kind of a three-sentence story, you know. Captain has obsession with whale. Captain chases whale. Captain destroys everybody in pursuit of whale. The end. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in between all that is a whole lot of information, perhaps more you wanted to know about the size and shape of waves and the nature of the contents of a sperm whale. Nevertheless, a shorter long book. Movies are sometimes easier. Movies are actually, I think, generally easier than books for kids because movies by their nature are abbreviated books if especially if they came from books they already leave out huge chunks so part of the figuring out what to leave out is done for you you can certainly do a narrative poem we recently had one of my groups i had them write a critique of the narrative poem casey at the bat and so that does tell a story with characters and conflict and resolution. You could even, in some cases, find a ballad or a country western song as long as it follows those parts. So the basic fiction critique you can do with almost anything. The nonfiction critique is more of a hybrid of units eight and nine. This is where you would be using the unit nine introduction and conclusion to give the information about the book and the author and the publishing and the context. Unit nine to give your opinion, your evaluation of the book. But the middle of the nonfiction critique is like the unit eight, where you're saying, okay, in this book, what are three things that stand out? Three topics, three things the author taught or introduced or discussed that are most noteworthy within that book. And you would choose those, and those would become topic-based paragraphs, as in Unit 8. Whereas the fiction critique would not use topic clincher paragraphs. And then response to literature, we'll get into that a little bit. So here's, again, a comparison of fiction and nonfiction critique. As I said, anything that follows the story sequence and no topic clinchers. Nonfiction, you can use with books about any of those subjects or even beyond, and it does have a topic clincher. It is good as you're reading to say, okay, here, you know, what what possible topics could I talk about? So sometimes there's a little bit of overlap. You get a book written for children that's kind of the story of Orville and Wilbur Wright, and it will, in a way, follow the narrative arc. So here's these guys, they want to fly, they try different things, they finally have success. But it also has factual information about their lives and the things they tried. So some books like that are, are kind of in the middle and you could almost go either way. So it's not quite fiction, it's not quite nonfiction. So that's you just have to kind of decide. I, I would say rather than fiction, maybe narrative 
rather than nonfiction, more expository, kind of explaining, kind of teaching about something. So here then we have the idea of write from the inside out. I think I went through this pretty thoroughly, the fiction critique versus the nonfiction critique. In both, write the introduction, write the conclusion, and then the introduction last, and the similarities and differences. Again, this is all, I think, very clearly laid out in the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style seminar workbook there, so you can look over that at your leisure. I always figure if people get to Unit 9, they are probably doing really well. They have had success in the other units. They haven't given up, which is a biggie. So it's not as though I have to really teach them a whole lot to do, since you, who are still here with us, in April, coming on May, you know how it works. One thing I always have been amazed at, though, is the power of words. When you give students word lists, it's amazing how it expands their ability to articulate. And in a way, it expands their ability to think. You know, if you get a typical kid with a limited vocabulary, they'll say things like, well, this is a really interesting book because... The story is really cool, and the characters are really cool, and the action and story, it's very awesome, and it's really a good book, and that's why you should read it. Well, why do they write like that? Why is that the limit of their analysis? It's because they don't have the vocabulary that allows for expanded thinking. So this critique thesaurus, which is in the seminar workbook on page 150. And then there's some other word lists that are available with the response to literature and literary analysis section in the end of the workbook. It's amazing. As soon as you give kids words like adventurous, tragic, comic, bumbling, retired, extroverted, pliant, scheming, sorted, acquisitive, inquisitive, impulsive, sinister, they're able to write about characters with words other than the ones they think of immediately, which is cool or mean or well, maybe sick or wicked, depending on their <laughs> generation and their slang. How did the plot develop? Well, I don't know, it developed. Well, it initiated, promoted, continued, expanded. It intensified. All of these words really help students refine their thinking about characters and setting and conflict and climax. So please don't neglect to copy this page, give it to your students, pull it out of the student resource packet that we have now and provide it. Because again and again and again, I have seen students write stuff that I thought, wow, that's good. How did they ever come up with that? Only to notice, oh, that word came from this list I gave them. Oh, that word was also on this list I gave them. Oh, all, all of my praising their great vocabulary was in a way saying, hey, awesome, you used some of the resources that I gave you. So don't hesitate there. With the nonfiction critique, it is like the unit eight, nine hybrid. So here you see that the body paragraphs follow the topic lyncher model. And in this case, you may find the triac paragraph model to be useful. I uh, teach this in the high school essay intensive, and I call it the Swiss 
army knife of paragraph models, meaning that it's a very versatile tool that'll do almost anything you need it to do, most of the time, I guess we'd say. So the TRIAC here stands for Topic, Restriction, Illustration, Analysis, and Clincher. So that's the acronym TRIAC. So you might be reading a book about a famous person, and part of that was about their education. So topic, they were educated in such and such a place at such and such a time. Restriction. Now, of all that information in that chapter or chapters about education, what was the most important? What can you focus in on? What can you restrict to? How can you narrow it? Okay, and then you give a couple concrete illustrations from the text. That's really the key to literary analysis, is being able to extract from the text examples to prove your thesis. So the TRIAC is a mini essay in that you have this mini topic and you pull examples and then you say, okay, what's the significance? What's the value? What's the impact? How did that incident from their life or that teacher or that parent or that friend, how did that affect them significantly later on in life? What was the value of that experience? What were the impacts? And you would then go through, and then of course a clincher sentence, which I, I hope most of you are very strong with already from units four and six and four, five, six, seven, and eight, really. The clincher should be second nature here. Then you would repeat that triac model for another topic, and you could repeat it for a third topic of a nonfiction piece. So the triac is useful for writing body paragraphs in units eight, units nine, as well as the response to literature and the literary analysis. So that's kind of where that goes. So you can try it out. I wouldn't say that the triac will work in every situation for every topic, but you certainly can try it. The triac is not something we created. In fact, honestly, someone showed it to me a decade or more ago in a restaurant by writing it out on a paper napkin. And I started to try and experiment with it and taught a little bit in the first iteration of the high school essay, essay intensive. One of our online teachers, Pamela White, who does probably the most advanced type of high school level literary analysis that we teach, she, she swears by it. Jill Pike, who's done a lot of our material, loves the triac. So there's really no trick to it other than what you see right there. And that is go and test it out. Take any topic you want to write about and attempt the statement of the topic, a restriction, a narrowing, a focus, a pulling in a little bit. Look for examples or details to illustrate that claim and then talk about the significance, value, or impact. I think I've written this on any number of things from a high school cafeteria to water bottles to one member of a family to cell phones, you know. So just pick a topic, see what you can do with it. I would say that the you're wishing 
Joanne, that there was some more detailed example or formula. There is in the portable walls for the essayist product, a paragraph that is written in that fashion. But the absolute best way for you to teach this, I, I have to say, I'm sorry to say, I apologize in advance for saying, and that is try it yourself. And then you will discover it can sometimes just work perfectly. You're just like, oh, that was the best thing. Sometimes you feel like, well, did I really do a good analysis? Or did I really have a great illustration or example? Don't worry. It's kind of like an approximation. It's an estimate. It's, it's not a precise thing, but it is a far better guideline than most people ever get in their life. So, all right, talking a little bit about the response. I'm just going to go back here because I was looking out the window and I was thinking, what can you write a triac about? And the answer is anything. But let's say I was writing about the property here where our office exists. And we have, a, it used to be a church. So we have a little stone wall with a big cross on it. We have a play equipment with your typical swing slide, rock climbing, second story with a steering wheel kind of play equipment area that's right outside my window. And then we have kind of a creek bed over along the side. In fact, it's very beautiful. You should all come and visit sometime. But let's think about a, a play set. Okay, so if we were writing about that, describing that, the play set, and you'd say, well, what's a, what's a topic sentence? It's children are naturally attracted to a play set. Okay, so there's a topic. Now let's refine that down. What is it that attracts them? It, it invites movement. What types of movement? What are some examples? Well, the swings allow for vestibular development up and down. They give a thrill. You look at the sky, the slides. You can slide down and climb up, slide down and climb up. You can stand on top. If you aren't being watched by an adult, you can climb up on the very, very top and stand there holding on to nothing, feeling like you're either going to fly or fall. Okay, so some examples, some illustration. Now, what's the significance or value of that? Well, we could talk about children's developing brains. You could talk about the the love we have of feeling free like we're flying, the thrill of doing something a little bit dangerous, especially when you're young, climbing high or leaping far or moving fast. These are things that help you test your limits. They help you learn better what is the shape of your boldness or of your fear and that is so important in the growing process we could talk about the physical body and the desire to use the muscles and experience the the stretching that happens and that that's all part of the intrinsic joy that we have in having human bodies that god gave us and therefore clincher it's a marvelous blessing to have play equipment outside the back door of our office building. So really try it out. What I really recommend you do is try this out yourself. It's just like anything. If you want to teach it well, what do you have to do? You have to wrestle with it. You have to put your feet in the water or jump in and swim. You have to give it your best about something 
and then as you do it then you start to understand it better i could give you a hundred examples but probably that wouldn't be anywhere nearly as valuable as if you were to hammer out a few paragraphs yourself and like i said there's no magic to it topic restriction illustration analysis clincher track it's an easy acronym anyone can memorize it and dozens of people i have met and maybe many dozens or hundreds of people i haven't met that have found it very valuable we do have to stop here because we're out of time for today but because we don't want to leave you hanging too long we'll go ahead and post the rest of the content later this week Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.